I tell my guys all the time, make mistake because mm-hmm. we're all going to learn from it. But if you make a mistake and you try and hide it or cover it up, then it's just a mistake that we're not learning from. And that's not good. So don't be afraid to make the mistake, 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 mistake. Same business, different day. Afternoon and welcome back to another episode, a very special episode of the Same Business Different Day podcast. I'm your host Zeke Corley here at the Film Hub in Vista, California, and I'm thrilled to be joined once again by my guest co-host today, co-founder of Frontline Careers, Ty Roberts. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. Always, you when I call on you, you come. That's that's what matters. Yeah, I love yeah. doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Now, today we have the opportunity to hear the phenomenal success story of Ramiro Guerra. Ramiro, welcome to the Same Business Different Day podcast, man. We really appreciate you being here. Now, uh, I know Ty told you a little bit about how the show flows. um, and, And there's a reason why we have it flow that way. You know, the reason why we have it flow that way is because our success stories matter. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it. you know, you see it on social media a lot, right? Where people are just always talking about what they have now. You know, here's where I'm at and here's how good life is. But how did you get there? Right? Because there's a lot of people trying to be there. And actually, some of those people aren't as successful as, you know, they claim to be on social media either. Very right? true. <laughs> but but <laughs> what's more important is the journey. What's more important is what the path was to getting you to where you are today, because we want to be there as well. And you can help influence people with that. Right. That, right. That's the special lesson. Right. right? I mean, so I'm sure you grew up, grew up around people who, you know, were there or, or were awesome. Or, yeah, of course, we've seen it on TV. We've right. seen it everywhere. But now where, you know, how did you get there? And and what decision? What decisions did you make in those tough times? And so, you know, today we'll talk a little bit about some of the tough times and how we dug ourselves out of it, and, and the decisions that we made to get us to where we are today. And I'm really happy. I'm so, I'm, I'm really happy yeah. for you for where you are today. I love it. I love sharing it. It's I love awesome. it. I appreciate you. Uh, where'd you grow up? In Vista, Oceanside, okay. oh, in Vista. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, moved to Vista in fourth grade. Okay. So, and then Oceanside before that. And then I spent here in Vista till I was 25 and went off to school. Okay. So. What, what, uh, what was Vista like when you were growing up? Anybody that knows Vista will know I grew up literally as Rain Tree Park is my backyard. So okay. it was rough. Okay. It was uh, very different from where we lived in Oceanside uh, in Fire Mountain. Mm-hmm. And it was rough. It was, you know, a lot of uh, violence, a lot of gangs, a lot of all that. But then there was a lot of um, interesting connections and larger family. Um, back then, you know, you, you kind of didn't worry about where your kid ran off to. Oh, okay. You know, like it was just community. Even though it was, right. yes, very much community growing up. So I had made amazing friends. Um, for life that, you know, I still connect with 
and have a lot of cool, got to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, I, I surfed a lot. So I, you know, first growing up in Oceanside, you know, really close to the beach surfing mm-hmm. when we moved here, it was a lot of, spent a lot of time on the bus, the mm-hmm. 302 going, going West to the, to the pier and surfing a lot. And, uh, that, that being an outcast in the neighborhood of who's this surfer kid that is living <laughs> in the hood with us, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, I wouldn't change a thing, man. It was awesome. I love it. Yeah. So growing up here in Vista, do you remember what you wanted to be when you were little? Like where you were like, I want to be. No clue. No, no clue. clue. Really? I really mm-hmm. had no direction, no drive. Really? Um, I was really more uh, focused on like having less, less stress in my life. Uh, my mom worked three jobs, raising three boys. Uh, fortunately, you know, my dad who recently passed away, he was not involved. Mm-hmm. Um, those were his choices. And, you know, spent sending a couple hundred dollars a, a month for child support for raising three boys just doesn't, no matter when it was, is not just not it's enough. Not so it. mom worked a lot. I grew up from other parents helping support, um, taking care of us you know, always giving us a place to go, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I really just, you know, watching her, she worked at UPS, she worked at a uh, restaurant quails in and San Marcos. And then she'd pick up these like banquet jobs too. And it was, it was, she was never, never around physically, but she was, she was a great mom. With a work ethic that is, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. She did what she had to do to take care of her. That's people, something that I right? learned and uh, you know, Definitely learn it the hard way in not having, hey, you want to grow up and be a lawyer. You want to grow up and be, you know, whatever it might be. I didn't have any of those influences. Uh, You know, grew up different type of success. Mm -hmm. I never saw the monetary success in, in any of the people growing up around me. But success in family values and love and yeah. support and those successes, which, you know, you don't put a, a, for lack of a better term, a face to those to later on in life. And you realize, yeah, I may have been poor as can be, but I was rich in love and support. And and you don't realize it till you step away from it and realize, Wow. I was really, really fortunate. Right. So, and those things kind of mold you, right? Absolutely. They turn you into, for lack of a better word, a good person. Well, they can or they can't. Or sometimes yeah, they don't, I mean, there's but they definitely can. people that are uh, half, had uh, glasses half empty kind mm-hmm. of. And uh, and I used to be that way. I used to blame and uh, hate because I didn't have what the other kids were having and whatnot. But at the end of the day... Uh, I decided I didn't want to be that kind of person sure. and, and it completely, completely changed my life. Mm. 100%. How old were you when you uh, realized that, uh, that influence, that when you realized how, how impactful that love was? And, you know, honestly, I was probably like, maybe like 22, 23. Yeah. 
That's that's Somewhere you know I mean, it's a kind of a common story yeah, that's here. It's yeah. later. <laughs> it's later yep. in life. Yeah, you know, not when it's happening. Of course, right? That's the tough time to actually right. put yourself. You know, look mm-hmm. around yourself and see, hey, this is this is actually better than I thought. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, when you st- when it's your responsibility now, when you're on your own and you having to do it. Then sometimes you, you you pick that up and just go, you know what? You know, things weren't so bad. And I mean, obviously, hopefully you figured out early enough that mom was working really hard for you. Yeah, definitely. I was one of the. One of the well, I was the very level headed kid. OK, my little brother was a little more outgoing, a little more wild. OK, uh, less trouble. My older brother. He went down a whole different dark path that was really, you know, really kind of messed him up. And, uh, but, you know, I was able to learn from his mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. fortunately he's phenomenal guy and he's, he's bounced back. He's bounced back and he has, you know, his own struggles as we all have our own struggles. Sure. But, uh, great, great dad. You know, he raised his, his boy, um, from, uh, I think he was about, three when his mom got deported oh. and um which was a whole disaster because she was legally allowed to be here but she didn't check in when she went over the border and then they wouldn't let her come back wow and mm. so it's kind of a really hard lesson to learn but he raised his boy dj um for eight years by himself struggling with his demons and his challenges and his yeah. his yeah. So, you know, he always says, oh, I'm so proud of you, bro. I'm so proud of you. I I couldn't be more prouder of a person that, like, yeah. really just, and he doesn't give himself credit and he doesn't even realize. I'm like, bro, you have no idea what you did. You raised this kid and he's a beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a monster. He's not, not in a bad way. He's freaking like six foot three and <laughs> weighs like 200 pounds, 300 pounds probably. And it just, Gentle giant, just soft oh. as could be, and yeah. great hearted, and so that's awesome. Yeah, man. shout out to the fathers, right? Yeah. Amen. Um, right. <laughs> make a difference in your kids' lives. That's right. That's right. So, um, other than your brother, were there other influences out there? Other mentors, or anybody that you looked up to that you kind of uh, either wanted to be like, or you know, at least admired? Yeah, you know, my my childhood. One of my childhood best friends, Jason Franco, his uh, his dad really uh, took a liking to me and vice versa. And and uh, I spent a lot of time with the Francos and um, Hector just he was just that fatherly figure that I needed and was relentless in doing the right thing and relentless in working hard. And uh, he was concrete worker busted his butt guys just just such a great great human being and he made me work hmm. he'd like oh you got nothing going on cool you're coming to work with me and all oh, right and uh was he much older than you yeah yeah <clears throat> hector's ancient no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, no, he, he was, must be still around. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he he's gonna appreciate the yeah. job. <laughs> but that's that's uh, that's cool, man. Yeah. So he just grabbed you and just said, "Hey, you know, you got yeah. nothing else to do? Let's do it." Yeah, he yeah he really you know and and he was just a very outdoorsy guy. So you know, a lot of hiking for nowhere, 
lot of like <laughs> I can't tell you how hiking. many times we've we've <laughs> driven down a dirt road and be like, oh okay, let's just go walk around now. You know, listen, like, listen, look look at the naivete. See, <laughs> see, Romero thinks that you're supposed to hike and have a destination. <laughs> it's just to That's know it. where. That's <laughs> what he did. You just it's hike. just so you hike. And, yeah. and you come and back. And we made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go get we almost didn't make it back one time. We got lost in Ramona. See? That's why I don't hike. It was bad. <laughs> I was scared. But yeah. it, it was. <laughs> I hear you. I don't hike. But yeah, we call him Gramps now because he's was the grandfather to my daughter, mm-hmm. um, him and, uh, and Nana Eleanor, his wife, you know, she nannied for Jillian growing up. Since so she was like a, a little baby, figure. they were like, Hey, we're this Jillian's probably gonna be my only grand, our mm-hmm. only grandchild, uh, which didn't turn out to be the case, which is awesome. Uh, or Alicia had a beautiful boy, oh. Keenan, and, um, they're really tight, but, yeah, Nana and Gramps is is what they go by, and that's beautiful. They are uh, forever, forever, you know, family. Walk through fire for them. I love that. I love yeah. that. So, but he got you into the construction industry. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. He. No, uh, okay. Well, no, let me get before that though. Let's talk a little bit about school. Though. Yeah, because I can't. I can't wait to hear about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was before, right? <laughs> you mean my doctorate degree? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I want to hear about your PhD, all your postgraduate work. But um, you made a decision. So you you dropped out of school. Um, I did. I know. I want to like when and what was the decision? How did you come to that decision and? What was the um, effect of that decision? Uh, effects were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. However, I don't recommend it because mm-hmm. there's a much easier path. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us I like story. that. Okay. Tell us a story. So your business faces risks every day. We at yourinsuranceplace.com are here to help keep your business protected. From general liability, workers' compensation, professional liability, auto, cyber, employment practices liability, your business needs protection. Get information, quotes, and coverage fast and easy. Find us at yourinsuranceplace.com. Hi, I'm Rachel Belt, President and CEO of the Vista Chamber of Commerce. Over the last 20 years, I've had the privilege of living and working in Vista, and I've met some amazing people with amazing stories, and I'm thrilled to bring them to you as part of Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast where I interview the movers, shakers, and changemakers impacting the Vista community and beyond. I hope you'll join me as we journey together to hear the stories of the people doing amazing things for our town. Velocity, the Vista Chamber podcast. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts. You know, I obviously growing up poor, mom working a lot. um, It got to a point where my brothers were not, they didn't like the lifestyle of never, they wanted mom home. Now, and I, I just had this revelation the other day with, with my mom, you know, my, my older brother always wanted the leave it to beaver mom, mm. but that's cause he was old enough to remember when she, when that was her role. Mm-hmm. My wow. dad was in the military. Okay. And so, he, you know, that was her role. She used to make our clothes. She would cook, you know, everything. Mm. And he missed that. Yeah, he missed that. I think he was a little resentful towards my mom for that for mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of dad. years. He wasn't resentful. No, no. So, anyways, it, the life kind of 
sure. was really going the wrong way um, mm-hmm. for for all of us um, financially. Anyways, still support, still a lot of love, but financially it was, it was rough. So my brothers decided to move with my dad, and they both had spent some time with my dad in Yuma. He was by this point he was stationed there. He was going to retire there, and so it was just my mom and I, um, and we struggled. We struggled. Mm-hmm. So I took a job bussing tables at a restaurant at night, which led to really late nights. There was no um, protecting students back then nope. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, I was literally bussing tables at a bar and wow. it was till two in the morning and I couldn't get up and go to school. And how old were you? I was 15. Wow. So you were um, too tired to get up. Too to tired. Mm-hmm. And I had to walk. From San Marcos to Rancho, which was, you know, two and a half miles each way Mm. every day to school. So I had to leave really early. You know, it was just so. So you just support grades just started dropping Mm -hmm. and it came to to a point where like, hey, am I ever going to get caught up? I'm not. It's just the writings on the wall. I'm Mm -hmm. just not going to get caught up. So do I still try and take this battle on or do I? go to work full time, help my mom, help myself, um, live, you know, a little bit better life and not worrying about where we're getting food from, not worrying about how I'm going to replace my shoes, you know, worry about any of that stuff. And so that was, that was the route I took and Mm. I decided, okay, I'm just going to fit to be done with school and start working full time. That led to, Having to find a full time job though, because bussing right. tables at the bar was not a full time job, mm-hmm. and that's not going to make ends meet. At the like, no, know, I mean it definitely it. it definitely helped, right? But, um, but it didn't definitely wasn't gonna. I found myself just kind of sitting around all day doing right. nothing and not yeah, being productive. Yeah, that part time work is yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not like, going to yeah, school, you exactly. might be doing something. So mm-hmm. now yeah. I don't think I thought about it that way. Yeah. Like. You had then, too much time. Yeah, it was like, oh, cool, more time to go surf, more time to go skate, more time. But then, like, wait, that's I didn't drop out to not to not go to school. I dropped out because I needed to make more money. So, right. Mm-hmm. So got so a job. So what was the full time job? Sanding cabinets. Mm. Really? Yeah. Okay. A little cabinet shop up the street from my house. Mm-hmm. Still, still there. They're still older. They moved deeper into San Marcos, but. Um, yeah, sanding cabinets, and I loved it. Yeah. The woodworking was fun. Then yeah. I, I really, really dig. It's awesome, mm-hmm. man, because I yeah. need that at my house. Right? I was going to say, that, talk about picking up a skill <laughs> that is super I don't sand useful. And I don't paint. No, I'm not asking you to do it. <laughs> Find me a nice little 15 year old. I'm just kidding. I don't violate child labor laws. <laughs> no, um, that's, that's, that's cool. Okay, so then you did that for how long, though? Oh. 11 years. Oh, really? You were not, really, you deep in it. standing, but yeah. I yeah. Just, but working at this small working, little yep. cabinet company. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I learned, truly learned a skill that I will match up to any finished carpenter out there. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I really, truly loved that job. It went sideways when I thought that I sh- was, I got offered a superintendent job. And so I was, okay, let me. Let me do that. I got the skill set, good with people, good at managing people, and uh, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't get to put my bags on and do the work anymore. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't like this. 
Yeah. You know? I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, this is not for me. So. So is that well, when you, yeah, go, oh. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying that's, that's yeah. a lesson as well. I mean, yeah. you know, you, um, and, and I guess it's important to, to say, I mean, you, we talk about dropping out of school, but at the same time, there are trade schools mm-hmm. for a reason. Right. And you got that, you know, education hands on. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a lot of parents that will curse me for saying this, but you know, None of these kids know what they want to do. They haven't done anything. Mm -hmm. They have not done anything. How do they know that they want it? My daughter wants to be a jockey. She, yeah, she's ridden a horse. She never raced a horse. Like, (laughs) come on. So harping on, on our kids to go to a four year college and earn a, you know, a doctorate or whatever, go to law school, all that stuff. That's fine for us to want to want that for them. But at the end of the day, how do you know you want to be a lawyer if you've never been a lawyer? Right. How do you know you want, to, you want to <laughs> fix, fix people medically if you've never done it? Like, right. you just don't know these things, and you won't until you get out and experience it. And you, there's so many people that have careers in one thing but do something, you know, have a degree in something else. And it's just, it's just so, so common. But no one puts that together, and I, I just think parents need to just – be supportive. Yeah. You, you want your kids to education is great. And I, and I did go back to school and I did get my education. So I I'm fully supportive of that, but forcing your kid to go off and, uh, you know, struggle to do something that they just don't know if they want to do. And what you said is, um, earlier too, was so poignant. You started at this cabinet company and you loved it. Yeah. Right. Like you said, so many kids are forced into this funnel. You're going to go be an accountant. And I might absolutely hate what I'm doing, hate everything about it. So this degree that I've worked so hard for, what is it worth if I'm hating every moment of my my job? And then you can find something instead that you love to do. That is this amazing skill that you can then take with you for the rest of your life. There's so many trades. That is, yeah. That is the important part. I want to go back to school. I want to be, I want to go and learn refrigeration and HVAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in my area. It's, it's uh, very sought after and very hard to get your hands on. That's cool. And I love I'm that. Like, you know, because <laughs> you know why I like that you're saying that it too is because you're more, you're, you haven't at, at all said you don't like, to be educated or you don't believe in the education system. There are ways to be educated in different things. And so, you know, specifically what you want to be educated on. I think that what's really important about that conversation also is the age ranges. Now, I mean, you know, I I know you're a big proponent of education and, and as am I, you know, my daughter and I were going to uh, senior night tomorrow Mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, talk to the UCs about what's needed. But at the same time, um, it's, there's, you know, she's, she's going to graduate at 17 years old. You know what I'm she saying? She knows what she wants to do. No, yeah. She's got an idea. Yeah. yeah. She ideas, wants to work in life sciences. Don't... She wants to be a veterinarian. Sure. Will that change? Right. <laughs> yes. And then like you were mentioning and like, you know, when you get your degree, will you be doing what your, will your career have anything to do with your degree? 
There is a lower percentage of that. <laughs> it will really not. Okay. It will not. So uh, I, I just I, I do like the conversation, but I do like the caveat, the importance of the conversation saying that you actually believe in education. You're not Absolutely. saying don't go out right. and be smart, but figure out what it is that you're interested in doing. And that may take some time. To Absolutely. find out what that is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Yeah. I love that conversation. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that drop out and just give up. Yeah. You right. know what I'm saying? Nobody like, oh, I didn't, understands I didn't, get a, I didn't get a degree. Nobody knows what I can. I can't do anything. I'm stuck. But, yeah. you, but you know what? There's a lot that aren't that way. Right. There's sure. a ton of them. And you know what? They're most, a lot of them are too ashamed to admit that they dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though they're successful and they've done. Because there's stigma attached that, to it. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of lot of them out there. Well, that's why I think it's also, again, powerful that you talked about because there is a stigma around it. Mm-hmm. And the more we speak about it and the more we dispel that myth, the more we can get rid of that stigma. And we yeah. can understand that there are many paths to success. It's not just one. <laughs> and for me, there was a fear of finishing. Mm-hmm. There was a fear of going back as, uh, to get my GED. You know, I, I did that at 25. Mm-hmm. And... Or, yeah, I think it was 25. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I'm not smart enough. I haven't done this in so long. It's just not going to happen. Man, that was, it was easy. And I beat myself up all the time for not doing it sooner. Mm -hmm. Because I was so scared to do it. And I was afraid. Because I have dyslexia, so I can't spell. My handwriting sucks. Because I can't spell. Mm-hmm. And I've figured that out in the recent years that why, why am I handwriting? So, because I don't, I flip flop letters all the time. So if it's just scribble and then it, right. it'll <laughs> mask, it'll mask. How do you the know it's not spelled right? right. <laughs> it's spelled absolutely you can't read right. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Definitely for education, man. You know, this is this is that's why this success story is so mm-hmm. fun, man. And and yeah. so I can't wait till we get to the reveal. We're not there yet, though. When did you discover your passion? Uh, that was about twenty one. Okay, twenty one. Okay. So I had taken a second job from construction because I lost all my tools and car got stolen. I had no tools, no oh, transportation. Wow. Uh, boss, super cool. It's like, hey, let's get you, you know, let's get you back on your feet. We have a shop truck you can use for work. Um, you just show up to the office. You can drive the truck to shop to the um, job sites. And then they also help me purchase the tools because they're like, I, we can't pay you what we were paying you when you don't have yeah. tools or transportation. And I get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. So fair. Yeah. Um, so that, so I started busting tables again at night to earn money to kind of get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's where I found it was, was just not just working both jobs. It just changed yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And what was uh, that other job? I was busting tables. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, what I read at Chili's, right? Was yes. It? Okay. Chili's and Escondido. Yeah. yeah. And you know, one of the things I, I started busting tables at the old spaghetti factory. Okay. And I always, I've always <laughs> said, if I could still have a second job today, I mean, well, maybe a fifth job. Yeah, I was just saying, um, <laughs> I don't you might want to add another. Yeah. <laughs> I don't count anymore, but still. Business cards can't be full page, <laughs> right. okay? Right. <laughs> but if I could, uh, I, I loved 
serving tables. Mm-hmm. I loved working in a restaurant industry. There's, you know, you don't take the stress home with you yeah. um, because it's like, you know, that client's gone. Now. Right. You know, we'll move on to the next one. But also, you know, you got cash in your pocket. Like it's, it's a really good thing. And there's an environment. There's yeah. people. There's, there's, you know, people laughing and you satisfy them mm-hmm. and they're happy and they're tipping you. And then the people you're working with, they're all doing the same thing. It's, it's a cool environment. So, but you can also move up in right. that industry. And so you started off busting tables and then what happened? Like, where did you get to with Chili's? Well, like you said, I was like, man, this is cool. This is fun. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. We're the social piece, the, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot of people that go out to eat that aren't happy. They aren't, they're going out to eat for a reason. If right, they're, right. they're not going out to eat because yeah, they're, they're miserable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, Hey, I want more hours. And they said, well, you know, we can put you in the kitchen if you want. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll try it. I just want more hours. So I, d- I started doing that and uh, no joke. I don't remember the dates, but that first shift on the grill at Chili's and back then it was, you know, big fajita place. Sold hundreds and hundreds of sizzling platters of fajitas mm-hmm. every day. And they threw me in Friday, Saturday nights on the grill. And I'm like, I've never done this before. Now, I had cooked. My mom always had food in the house. It was just nothing you ever throw in the microwave or just add water. It was always scratch cooking. So I really learned how to cook a lot of stuff out of necessity uh, Okay. when when Nana and Gramps weren't feeding me. but <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I was like, this is incredible, the adrenaline, the I don't like, I hate being hot, but the heat, the just, just everything about it was just intense and nothing I had ever felt before. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was mm-hmm. cool. It was cool. It really kind of, uh, changed my life. Yeah. That's great. So then you eventually moved up though in positions there as yeah. well. You went into the kitchen and yeah, then- I went to the kitchen and then I got an opportunity to open restaurants for them. Um, open restaurants, open restaurants. Yeah. Okay. I didn't have anything else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was super flexible. So I joined the the training team and opened Foothill Ranch Chili's. And, you know, you go out for a few weeks, go to a new site, train everyone, set up the restaurant, and you leave and go to the next one. So I did that for a few years, which was super cool. That's a cool job. Uh, it was a little, <laughs> little feral, little feral. Right. <laughs> but, you know. Now I could never do that now. <laughs> like my own bed and my own pillow too much. Right, but when you're younger, it's different, right? You're um, seeing something new and you're... It's, see- yeah. Was that experience on steroids. Right. Because yeah. it, it was just so intense, but mm-hmm. so rewarding and so so much fun. And, you know, restaurant chains have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was about the culture mm-hmm. and it was about you know, their concept and their guests and less about profits and, and all that changed at some point with all these corporate restaurants. And that it kind of started to ruin it for me. But, right. Uh, you know, what I really like about that conversation too, bringing it back to uh, education is that, you know, you're now the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the trainer, you're the teacher. Um, and then you turn around and, and you started teaching at Palomar as well, right? Yep. Yep. I taught um, 
culinary arts at Palomar College for uh, almost two years. Yeah. Which was, that was so rewarding and cool. I I was a little militant. (laughs) <laughs> you would change a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, maybe not be so hard on this. Yeah. You give them the big speech at the beginning. Was, uh, it's like if you're if you're not gonna like the first day of class, you should drop out now. <laughs> Something like that. It was uh it was an ROP program, so there's you know, I had adults and I had mm-hmm. young, you know, children too. Or mm-hmm. Not children, but young yeah, adults. I mean, they're kind of kids still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was uh it was very rewarding though. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fun to just see that, be able to pull in all the things I learned from my career path in the restaurant um, and then the training and the opening the restaurants and all that and kind of bring it all together and teach these kids potentially a trade or skill set that they they might enjoy. Which is yeah. huge. And I made it as real as possible. And that's where I say a little less militant <laughs> because... It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you're, you know, learning to be a window washer and you never leave the first floor washing windows, you don't know what it's like to wash windows completely. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so I kind of made it a very much realistic um, procedure as I could. I love that. So you're yeah. giving them this wealth of knowledge that you've garnered over all these years. You're kind of like, okay, here's what I've learned. I'm gonna take you from the first floor of your window washing. We're going to go all the way up to the very top. Yep. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so now at some point you went to, did, you went to cooking school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Culinary school. Where'd you go? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a difference. <laughs> Look. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. Military. Yeah. 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 You, you saw that? You saw that? I had you. But there is a difference. <laughs> Tell me the difference between a chef and a cook. Right. <laughs> okay. We're not going to get into that. But no. That, tell me about the culinary school experience. So, you know, after with the chilies and all that, I, I really was like, this is what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. be a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very much in the the early stages of the whole food network thing. So it was a very visible thing on TV and, and lots of people talking about it, but I really just, I loved it. I loved creating. I loved the, the heat. I loved the energy. You did it out in Oregon, right? Yeah. So I had to go. So I, this is how, how dumb I am. I literally spent like a year of my life trying to work around getting my GED to go to school without having a GED because I was so petrified of going to do this. Right. And I was applying to schools in Canada. Like I was just everywhere. I don't know, no clue how to, I was going to ever afford this because my mom never went to school. Dad wasn't around and he, I mean, he didn't go to school either, but so I didn't really know anybody that like gone through the financial aid process. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do like everything else and just figure it out. So I'm just going to apply, 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 try and get into a spot and, and go from there. Well, after a year of trying and getting the same result of, well, you have to have your GED. My, one of my best friends, uh, Brett, his, his wife at the time, Erica, she had done, she had had the GED. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's like, it's just, it's easy. You got to do it. You know, you, yeah. (laughs) So, Unbeknownst to me, she calls me up, says, hey, we're going to lunch. We're going to come pick you up. She takes me, takes me to adult, Vista Adult Ed across the street from Vista High School. Okay. Pushes me out of the car and says, you're going to sign up right now. I love that. 
and she forced me to do it. So with that, I was able to decide where I wanted to go to school. Mm -hmm. I am a big snowboarder and I love winter and I love rain. And so I said, I want to go to Portland. Okay. So went to Western Culinary Institute in Portland, Oregon Mm -hmm. and uh, figured it out. How many years were you out there? Two years. Okay. So it was a two year program. Well, actually it was an 18 month program. Mm -hmm. I finished it in 16 months. Um, I got, because of my all my restaurant experience, I got to bypass the whole uh, internship part oh, of the oh, program. See, that's experience. huge experience. So, yeah. There it is. Yeah. So they let me graduate early, um, graduated top of my class. So I was top three students. Now, this is, I want to hear, is, you know, there's a story, though, when it got to the graduation, though, your final test. I, I, I read about this story. Can yeah. you tell that, tell that story yeah. real so quick? So I have a seafood allergy. Oh, I understand. And mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the final test is we do a lot of what they call basket exams or black box exams. And it's just a, a box of random food and you create dishes and like a five course meal. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You, like you chop. got seafood, didn't you? You got seafood. Of course. Mm-hmm. And... My, now, if you didn't pass this test, then what? Then what happened? No, I, I just wouldn't have graduated on the top of my class. I would have. I would have graduated. But okay. Yeah, I was way ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the the instructors that was judging, was like, hey, chef, you know, oh, no, sorry, Romero. Hey, if you want to, if you want a different protein, we'll give you a different protein. I'm like, no, I'm cool. I'm up for it. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So, work around it. Persevere. Ace that. Wow. Aced it. Highest, highest final we've ever had to, to date. And obviously now no, I'm sure that's, there's, that's but huge. just crushed it. And it was a big, big, uh, someone was very, very proud of. I bet. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the reveal. It's time. Our guest today is the founder, partner, and executive chef of the Lab Collaborative in gorgeous downtown Oceanside. <laughs> Steps from the water. TLC is a foodie's paradise with food like bone marrow, pork belly, beef cheeks. Sound like beach bar food? No, it doesn't. It's just not beach bar. (laughs) But that's all right because they also have great burgers and wings. And I'm telling you for sure, great, great food and everything that we all enjoy. And also don't sleep on the brunch menu either. All right. Yeah, I know. It's it's Uh, surprising me. (laughs) And thank you for the comments because I know you go. You know I'm there. I've been, you know, having lots of I ride my bike over there with the family. All the time for years now. Yes, sir. And uh, so I I take it uh, kindly what your, your words about the food because it's. Oh, no doubt. It's uh, from experience. So that's right. And the restaurant we're going to talk a little bit about. So the Lab Collaborative has a spacious open concept. I'm super excited to see this. A gorgeous kitchen that guests can look right into and a beautiful bar. Why is it called Collaborative? He and his partners are also the owners of an artisan coffee shop, Jet Fuel. Not to mention their test kitchen on wheels, their food truck, The Sandbox. And once again, we welcome Chef Romero Guerra to the show. Yay! (laughs) That is, man, you're making me hungry. Thank you for that. (laughs) Now, you were over, when I first met you, you were over at the Belgian Beaver, which is around the corner from the film hub over here. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and then going off onto your own and and, and doing your own thing. Oh, man, that was, I'm I'm blessed. I live a blessed life. I really do. I'm so uh, thankful. Cheers to you, man. Cheers Cheers to the blessing. I'm cheersing from y'all from here. Yes, yes. So. I know you wasn't expecting this type of commercial. 
of another podcast coming in. But whoever you were listening to, they're irrelevant at the moment. What I'm saying right now is we have a brand new podcast that you should stop listening to whoever you listen to in this moment <laughs> and listen to us <laughs> at Odd Pairing. It is about adult beverages and Wait, Paige. Wait, I'm supposed to tell you about that. And Paige is going to tell you a little bit so more. So it's adult beverages, mm-hmm. food, mm-hmm. community, culture, and basically anything else we find interesting through the drinking. Yeah. And as you can see, we've been drinking a lot today um, because we already did episodes. So at any time, you guys can find us when you finish with this podcast, whoever you're listening to. Mm-hmm. You can find us at YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you get your Instagram podcast stuff. And you can mm-hmm. also find us on Instagram where you will find hilarious memes and some snippets from our show at Odd Pairing Pod. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, I'm Jeff Fox, founder of Star Fox Media. We're a digital marketing and video production company that focuses on serving small businesses here in Vista, California. We have the team and all of the equipment necessary to produce, film, edit, and distribute your podcast to as many people as possible. For more information, you can reach out to us via email at info at starfox.media or give us a call at 760-385-3117. Let Star Fox Media help you tell your brand story today. I spent, after culinary school, uh, I moved back to California with Chili's. Okay. So it was the easiest thing while I was work, while I was going to school is to just go to Chili's and work because okay. I, I knew it like the back of my hand. Right. So they made me. It's funny because the uh, area director up there I worked with down here years and years ago, and he's like, "What are you doing serving tables? Like you should be managing this." And I, I'm I'm going to school. He's like, well, if I work around your schedule, will you will you join our management team? I'm like, school's number one. That's why I'm here. That's right. That's what I'm doing. And he's like, I promise you, there will be zero effect on your school. All right. If we can do it, we can do it. So so when they opened the Chili's in Ocean, well, they were opening the Chili's in Oceanside, they reached out to me and said, hey, did you want to, would you be interested in moving back to California? We have, we're opening a new restaurant in Oceanside. I was like, my wife at the time was like, yeah, I can't stand this rain. <laughs> I want sun. Let's she go. She wanted a snowboard. No, like you. <laughs> no. I would have never left. I would have never really? left. Okay. Never. I absolutely loved it up there. Love it. But um, so it came back with Chili's. It literally only opened the restaurant. lasted like six months. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. The, the culture was different. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to create my own food and whatnot. So, and then... Uh, I ended up taking a job at BJ's because um, I wanted, wanted to make more money. Mm-hmm. And that was where it was. And it was cool. It was fun. It was gnarly, though. Super, super busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a food factory. And But I lasted, I lasted seven years, six years with them. And um, so one of, one of the team members that worked there was the server was Thomas Peters, who's the the head brewer for Belching Beaver or main brewer was oh, one yeah. brewer ahead. Yeah. Big, big Tom. Tom. Yeah. So he didn't like me cause I was <laughs> like, Hey, this is your job. You're going to do your job. I'm, we're paying you to do your job, do your job. Mm-hmm. And as all servers do they fart around, I mean, we all do, you, you know, but sure. it was my job to make sure one was doing the job. So, so 
we were cordial, but he, you know, it's like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. Chef's here. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do extra side work. We're going to have to. Mm-hmm. So years, years later, and I run into him at a, at a party and he, he had been gone for a long time. So we're catching up and he's like, Hey, we're going to, I work for Belch Beaver now. We're going to open a restaurant. You know, would you come talk to us? I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, you didn't like yeah, me. You don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> he and he's like, you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I didn't like you because you made me do my job. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. So I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, I don't turn down any opportunity. doesn't hurt to talk to anybody. So, so he connected me with Ralph, who they already identified was going to be the GM and uh, whose experience is top notch. And uh, man, we made just a killer team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Belch and Beaver gave me the freedom and the opportunity to like really hone my craft and really figure out what I want to be as a chef and as a manager and as a restaurateur and and even as a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And that's huge. You know, they really mm-hmm. taught me, you know, quality of life. Their their culture is really what I've been trying to get since since the old Chili's days when there was a culture there family first have fun do what you do if you don't know what you're doing don't be afraid to make a mistake and if we make a mistake we learn from it and don't be afraid to ask for help and so on and so forth so they it's funny because Tom one of the owners the CEO he's he may have spent five minutes talking to me he really was just like I'm I'm not even going to pretend they know anything about the restaurant business, anything about food. I know how to eat food and I know wine and I know beer, mm-hmm. but that's it. So if you guys want to hire him, that's up to you. You guys do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they, yes, let's bring you on board. And so I was able to not have that, that person above me dictating what I was doing. And, they gave you and control. Yeah, they gave me control. So they trusted to, me. Yeah. They trusted me to do what I, what I do. Mm -hmm. So, so then, but in leaving there though, you went and you just went and go build, uh, to build something of your own. Yeah. So I was groomed. uh, They were grooming me secretly, uh, coming to my, coming to Belgian Beaver every week and eating food, bringing, bringing our, our owner Mark, uh, to the restaurant. And then they're talking to me about, Hey, you know, will you consult, a menu for us where we want to open a restaurant. Okay. What's your concept? Blah, blah, blah. So they kind of gave me the concept of, of having a, like a residence ran kitchen with having revolving chefs. And that's where the lab, the lab piece comes in and the collaboration piece oh. comes in. And I, this is during COVID and I said, guys, this is not going to work. Like this is going to be really expensive. This restaurant will never make money. Uh, let alone break even if we do this kind of a thing. So we need to kind of reinvent it. Um, we love the name, uh, love the the basic concept of it, and uh, hope hopefully we can get to a point where we can actually go back to that original concept of of having resident chefs come in that maybe trying to make a name for themselves and um, let them spend some time and have a designated spot on the menu, mm-hmm. but we still have to have a static menu. That's 
people know that what they're coming in for. And they may be coming in for over and over and over and over again. Right. (laughs) So you're, you know, you're creating this concept from the ground up. This is kind of your, your origin story, right? I'm going to create this amazing restaurant and this concept. Um, And you have your own beer and tequila creations. Yeah. So we did a collaboration Mm -hmm. and that's really, we just, we're just trying to collaborate with everybody. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to, I kind of like to explain it as we want to be a hospitality lab. We want to, we want to work with everybody. Even if there's a host out there that does, that has a different concept of what hosting should be, then we want to talk to you. We want to see what you, what you're bringing to the table. We want like, there's no reason that we can't um, challenge ourselves to do something better. Just because restaurants have been around for a long time and these these celebrity chefs that dictate, hey, this is this requires this is required. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. We're serving food and booze like we can do whatever we want. I love that. And <laughs> so we really want to just be that like lab of doing whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Like what? Why do we're the only ones saying no and holding ourselves back from right. trying new things? I love it, man. So, you know, it's funny to me. I shouldn't even say funny. I mean. Really, this is the only place. There's a lot of things. I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from Northern California. And this is uh, the only place where I've seen a lot of things for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those is this collab uh, concept. Like, I, I've never actually experienced that. I know there's one off the 78 where there's the, you know, the breweries and the wine yeah. and all that stuff. And I know there's another thing popping up somewhere in Oceanside, too. I saw it off coming off the freeway. But... Um, what, what does that come from? Like, I mean, I, I guess you're kind of giving it to me. You're explaining, you know, your passion behind what you do. But um, it it kind of really, to me, also really makes sense, especially after COVID. Like, not everybody can just afford this big lease and, you know, have yeah. their own place and everything. Why don't we all go in together and and kind of work together and, and, and have an experience for guests to come in and really bounce around and see different things too. Um, but can you explain to me a little bit more about the collaborative efforts and the collaborative concept from you? Yeah. You know, it really just comes from us knowing our, our management team, our, our group has got, you know, hundred plus years of experience and we know so many people in the industry doing it and, you know, What's what's funner, hanging out watching football by yourself or hanging out watching football with one of your friends? Easy friends. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So why not why not start working with our friends yeah. in some capacity mm-hmm. um to create cool things and yeah. bounce stuff off of each other. Yeah. Uh and, and keep things new. And too. North County dining is on fire. Right. I love and it. we have some of the best chefs around. And especially in Oceanside, our culture in the the chef's culture mm-hmm. is we're all friends. We're all, we all build off of each other. We all work together. We all talk mm-hmm. daily. Um, and it's, it's super unique because we're all supportive of each other. So there's no, it's not competition. It's camaraderie. And Which is how you all really can be successful. That is hundred percent right? how we do it. Yeah, yeah. That's that beach. That's that beach life. That's what it is. Makes you a little happier when you live near water. But it's it's also this this lovely idea, like you said, 
you're pulling from everywhere, right? So if someone, like you said, knows how to do hostessing, they want to do something different with it. I'm going to find out what you, what your ideas are, right? And so you're building something yeah. new out of all these existing pieces, which is soup. That's just, it's just really yeah. dope. You know, it's not, <laughs> we're not trying to rewrite the Bible, right. but you know, it's, it is. It's like a remix. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's rapid fire some stuff. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I want to just hear what comes to your head on these things. And I, you know, I spoke to my buddy Josh over there from Gossip <laughs> Beaver earlier. And so he talked, he did talk about you being a contractor. He talked about um, um, your, the way that you construct things and, and your style. Uh, so tell me a little bit quickly about the uh, restaurant and bar design that you created over at the Lab Collaborative. Well, I didn't have, I didn't, do all the creation. I, I did kind of, I'm the one with the experience in construction. Mm-hmm. Our, our owner, Mark, he's owns a electrical company too. Mm-hmm. So nice. between the two of us, so he, you know, they already had an idea in their head, what they wanted to see by the time I came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just made it more user-friendly. Yeah. So as a construction guy, you know, we know that architects and builders don't always see eye to eye <laughs> and there's a reason for that is because drawing something on paper doesn't always mean it's going to work out right. physically so um so i was able to help design the restaurant to make it a little more user-friendly i really pride myself on efficiency i really pride myself on making something efficient as can be and speeding up the whole process and and work smarter not harder kind of a thing so um, so yeah, I got to get in and, and do all that and change a lot. And, you know, they had already hired an architect. They already hired someone to design the kitchen and I kind of scratched the design of the kitchen in a way and started changing it to what, what we wanted to do there and what had to be really to look into the kitchen. Don't you feel comfortable when you can, man, when I can see someone making my food, <laughs> make eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and the kitchen is really like, uh, someone's mansion kitchen mm-hmm. just bigger uh marble he said just big oh, Look, he's wow. awesome. oh, man. so we have uh marble countertops oh. uh no shelving marble backsplash uh every is oh, everything's completely gorgeous. see-through so you can see everything that's going on mm-hmm. um and the, you know definitely some design stuff uh change next time um as i'm sure josh mentioned i'm short and my uh, my counters might be a little too high, <laughs> maybe just a, just a wee bit. So I did want high counters. You might have mentioned mm-hmm. your height, <laughs> but Josh is, Josh is a freaky <laughs> ogre of a guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's great. But yeah, counters are really tall because my back is always hurting, and so mm-hmm. it was. It I built a. I did a remodel for a good friend of mine and he had back problems and he wanted high counters in his bathroom in his kitchen. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Mm-hmm. I had to build all the cabinets cause they don't make them that high, mm-hmm. do all that. And as I'm finishing it all, I'm like, this is like really comfortable. Mm. So, so I'm like forever. Will I want to raise counters? But I didn't factor in the depth. So it's an island. Right. Oh, okay. And so for my guys, which are also very short, I am not the shortest one in the restaurant. I'm happy to say. Uh, so between the two of us handing plates across the pass out, it, it can get a little, a little bit of a reach. Yeah, a little bit of a reach. 
All right. So what about a little bit about food truck culture? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the food truck came up with um, the delays in building Mm -hmm. and supply chain. And so by the time they hired me on, you know, they thought things were flowing. Basically, once once they found the space and they signed the lease, they they hired me on, and it got to a point where there's a lot of downtime, waiting for equipment, waiting for contractors, mm-hmm. and so they said, well, maybe we should get a food truck and start doing pop ups, and you can start playing with food. All right, let's do it. So we did that. I was able to test some menu stuff out. You know, it's not the same, but um. It's not a, an accurate way of testing, like, complete com, uh, composed dishes, mm-hmm. but it is an accurate way of testing methods and, and whatnot. So so we went down, found a truck. It was definitely a good marketing tool. It's good. great. And as an avid eater, I appreciate food trucks. I yeah. consider myself an expert eater, and I love a good food truck. So <laughs> yes. food truck's for sale now. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, what we figured out is that uh, is that it's still even though we we are just fine staffing wise, mm-hmm. um, it it's pulls a lot of resources. Right. And when we're super busy and we have guaranteed sales in the restaurant, we don't want to pull our resources from right. the restaurant. It makes perfect sense. And it's and you're pulling key people mm-hmm. out of the restaurant to go on the truck. You're yeah. not just sending someone you just hired last week no, to no, take no, your no, food no, truck no. out. Somebody that operates so, to represent properly. Over the summer we realized like this is not a good idea. That, that, uh, right. This we need to we need to either find like a staff for the truck that can really excel at it. But then we're having a lot of problems with the health department too. Mm-hmm. Um they they just they're on their own schedule. Right. So getting through plan check and getting them to inspect the truck is like no joke. We've been on a waiting list for months and months oh. and well, a year now, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no sense of urgency for it. Um, you know, yeah, I get it. I've heard it's a tough business. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, especially coming from Oregon, too, I, I've heard that there's a big culture of yeah. it up there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I actually I, I talked to somebody this morning who said that they saw the truck over at a brewery or something and had some good food. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're familiar with you. And like you said, it's good marketing. It's it, great. It get, you, yeah. get your name out there. It's great. Yeah. 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 Okay. Another one, rapid fire, uh, cooking shows. What, uh, what you mentioned them earlier. So what, what are your thoughts? Do you watch any of them or any of them that you recommend? You know, I don't watch too many of them nowadays, mm-hmm. but I tell you which one really got me passionate about cooking was a show called grilling and chilling. Okay. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was Bobby Flay. Oh, yeah. And, oh, I forgot the other chef's name. Um, real, like, Southern country style chef. Uh, super quirky, funny. But these guys just cook everything outside and do it all. And it was, it was great. I'm yeah. sure you could YouTube the, like the shows, but it was, it was <laughs> fun. Yeah. It was, <laughs> so, um, and then I do enjoy, like, um, diners, drive-ins and dives. Cause mm-hmm. I love to see all these little, what these people are doing. And like, again, there's, there's some no fun stuff out there, yeah, right? There is. It's there's funny. no, you know, I'm not a big fan of that show necessarily, but at the same time, I love what buzz that it gets created after they have been on the show. Yeah. Cause I've seen lines down blocks 
after yes. he's going to visit Dino. I, it's, I think it's just him that I'm not a big fan of. But the actual <laughs> restaurants that he visits and everything, I think it's it's pretty cool. And, yeah. and it's great what he's doing for those restaurants yeah. as well. Yeah. Awesome. And it's cool to bring out to light. Like, there's so many. I watch it. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years. And to watch a show and see someone's method of doing something different after this many years mm-hmm. is, is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I would have never thought about doing it like that. Right. And, and then that's the thing. Yeah. It's the neatest. It's the art. Yes. It is. Oh, absolutely. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of cooking shows. Also. I, I already mentioned I was a fan of eating. So here <laughs> go. I'm a fan of no, cooking shows. I'm an expert. I'm an eater. expert. Eater. <laughs> I love the cooking shows. They make them look really easy. And it's not really as they easy do. as they it's do. It's not like, the same. Yeah. It's not. So I was on, I was uh, one of the finalists on the second season of Hell's Kitchen. <gasps> oh. And not 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 on the show, but the the, the mm. finalists in the casting. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And uh, it was very disheartening to see how it all works. Yeah, reality mm. TV is not. It's um, very scripted, right? It's really scripted. It's not at all what the finished product looks no. like, which is sad. And it's too, highly it edited. It yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, apparently, it wasn't dramatic enough, right? Oh. But I took my job serious, and I don't like drama, so I didn't want any part of that okay that's one thing that's different about our restaurant than a lot of restaurants is we squash drama mm-hmm. that's right they don't it's that's not right. allowed in the restaurant okay well you're welcome on the show anytime we're, <laughs> we're not in the drama good. either. <laughs> <laughs> all right Just some good wine yep yeah that's right and good food elias i got an idea we're gonna do a podcast it's called industry insights that's what everybody's doing these days, like a podcast, a podcast. But who are we going to target? What? Well, this one is different because this one's going to target content creators. Content creators? So that means film, television, animators, AI artists, everything, huh? Yeah, all of them. We can inspire all of them. We'll bring some high caliber people in here. Not only will they learn how to get into the industry, but how to be successful. But the thing is, it's sponsorship. We have to go after things, and, and how are we going to do that? Yeah, the Film Hub. We're going to sponsor it. We'll do it right here at the Film Hub in sponsor? downtown Vista. Yeah, sponsor? we'll sponsor it, too. Great. Yeah, we got the podcast studio right here. We got stages, whatever you want to use. We got it here, and right here in film-friendly Vista. Where else would you do it? And you know where they can listen to it? Where? Go YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Apple Podcast. What about Metaverse? Meta what? (laughs) (laughs) San Diego beer lovers, come join us on the Pioneer Beer Trail, a free narrated tour of four of Vista's iconic craft brewers, all from the convenience of your phone. Simply download the free show at vistamadetours.com or find Vista Made Tours on your favorite podcast provider like Spotify or iTunes. Then fire up the show and you'll hear fascinating backstories, beer favorites, and food recommendations from the brewers themselves as you travel from spot to spot. It's free, fun, and the easiest way to learn about some of Vista's originals, including Booze Brothers, Belching Beaver 980, Aztec, and Five Suits. So come travel the Pioneer Beer Trail at vistamadetours.com or from wherever you find your podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> um, so cooking for health consciousness, let's talk about that and cooking for foodies. How do you, how do you balance? Like, we want to be healthy, but also the foodies love. I mean, you, you're the chef, man. Tell us, tell us how, how, what, love. how tough that is. <laughs> I honestly don't 
focus at all about cooking healthy. Mm-hmm. That being said, I am very big proponent of wholesome cooking. So we scratch cook. I like clean labels, clean ingredients. Um, that's what I go for. And with that comes a lot of health benefits. Right. So I don't necessarily focus on, on, you know, I did a keto menu when we were at Belgian Beaver and it was, it was successful and people liked it, but I don't, I'm not a huge fan of, of diets in general. I think diets are frankly, you know, a scheme mm-hmm. when my dad it, told me this last night, <laughs> the real, the real serious. deal is, is portion control and, and eating you know, clean. Yeah. I eat mean, you clean can eat clean and, and, and eat good food. Yeah. Cause I mean, I can go on a keto diet and eat, nothing but bacon and guess right. what's going to happen to the rest of my body i may lose some weight but with your cholesterol yeah. is going to be through so, the roof yeah. <laughs> so i don't really put a lot of stock into to diet fads and mm-hmm. whatnot and even though we do get a lot of people asking you know hey what about this what about that even the gluten-free thing is i i just i know people are affected by it but they're blaming the wrong the wrong thing they're blaming the gluten and it's not it's not the gluten the gluten's a protein it comes from flour, mm-hmm. from mixing flour. But people that have gluten issues and they go to like Europe where they're still doing it old school, they're still trimming just the bud off of the wheat and they're milling that. We're not doing that here. We're right. doing, we're cutting down to the dirt to and milling all this. So we're using different wheat, GMO'd wheat, all that stuff. And that's, that's the culprit. It's not the flour. Mm-mm. Don't blame the flour. Don't blame the the carbs for right. your gluten intolerance. It's it's the rest of it that's really doing it. And that, and there's there's studies that are starting to come out now. Like, hey, because I'm sorry, America, but there's no way that fifty percent of you overnight ha- are gluten intolerant. It doesn't happen, right? So it never existed. And now let's not <laughs> let's not settle for what the doctor says, and let's really do our own homework and our due diligence and figure out what the real problem is. Mm-hmm. And, and we all have, you know, physical issues that, and a lot of food allergies and mm-hmm. whatnot, but it's not because of the food. It's because of how we're manufacturing it and how we're growing it and how we're transporting it and how we're preserving it. And, right. You know, so we didn't have any of these problems, you know, many, many years ago. And that's why I really do like the scratch cooking part. We don't. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's just. Controlling what you're putting in your food. And you know exactly what everybody's eating. I yeah. know what you're eating because yeah. it's from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to get over to the lab. Tonight. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I do. We're, we're dropping knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I won't put it on the menu either, the, the gluten issues. I have some allergy uh, allergy chart for my servers to know what's what kind of allergies. But there's a lot of. There's a difference between allergy and sensitivity and se- or intolerance, right? Yeah. And I, and I think the American public really needs to know that when they go out to eat, mm-hmm. it's like, am I sensitive or am I allergic? Because no, when you sell allergy. me an allergy, I'm freaking right. out. I'm like, wait a second. I can't do that. I can't clean, scrub my whole kitchen to make one dish for you because you say you're allergic to onions. Right. Mm-hmm. Onions are everywhere and garlics and everything and flour everywhere. You know, we make, we make breads and biscuits and, stuff's everywhere so uh people need to just kind of understand that piece of it when they go out and eat like hey okay i I just don't like 
guess what? I don't like onions either. <laughs> but when I cook them, they're good. And <laughs> when they're balanced with the rest of the stuff, <laughs> it's good. But you ever see me eat a Whopper? I'm going to pull those onions out. Because <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I don't like them. Right. I'm but not you allergic, grill those, but I don't love and I'm, taste. I'm all about it if they're cooked. <laughs> I like that. Hilarious. I like that. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. Um, there are folks out there that want to be where you are today, you know, um, that have, you know, always, you know, they found their passion early on and they wanted to. And speaking of passion, and speaking of collaboration, I want to give a shout out to Stephanie as well, because she's also throwing me questions for you today. So <laughs> some of those questions came from Stephanie and some came from Josh, but shout out to both of them. OK, but I, I just wanted uh, you to give some good advice to, to people who are trying to get where you are. Right. Going through culinary school who are, um, you know, or just a buster, you know, somewhere who wants to make it in the industry and open up their own place one day. Uh, right there by the pier or on the coast or anywhere in the world. Uh, do you have any advice, any thoughts, or any uh, thing that you can give them, any knowledge and jewels? I think that you, one, work hard at everything you do. If you, if you are trained one way and you know what the end product's supposed to be, then that's what you're looking for. Don't look for shortcuts. Don't try and work around the system. Choose your battles, really, and give the and give it your all to give it the end product. Um, I think I'm a very different manager and and than a lot of restaurant managers, but I I'm I tell my guys all the time, make mistake because mm -hmm. we're all going to learn from it. But if you make a mistake and you try and hide it or cover it up then it's just a mistake that we're not learning from. And that's not good. So don't be afraid to make the mistake. It's growth mindset is what yeah. that is. Um, I think that you have to be open-minded mm -hmm. on everything and you have to really throw, throw the instruction manual out the window and do what's, do what's best for, for you. And hopefully if you're working for someone that's uh, appreciates you and can see that and, and gives you the opportunity to kind of grow and do more. But, you know, as far as the chef world, um, I can't tell you how many, you know, this goes back to the education thing. I can't tell you how many chefs that I graduated with. My class was like 90 chefs and maybe like 20 of them are still chefs. Wow. Um, I tell my guys, I have a handful, of, I have a handful of guys that just want to come in and work and do what they're told and bust their butts and they're reliable and they do a great job, but you ask them to create something, they're going to be like, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And which is great. I love it. These guys are phenomenal. And then I have a few people that really want to be chefs in the industry or really want to own their own restaurants or really want to um, create cool food. And th those people, I tell them day in and day out, don't watch me. Don't learn from me. Learn from Ivan's my kitchen manager. Learn what he's doing because the longevity in this business is operating, not cooking. Hmm. You can, anybody can put together something good with enough direction and enough YouTube videos, mm -hmm. but to make a, a, a long lasting career out of it, you've got to learn how to operate a restaurant and manage people and build a team and manage your, your, the, the dollar signs of the whole business. And 
a lot of chefs don't want to do that. A lot of chefs just want to make cool food and throw it on the menu, sell a special, blah, blah, blah. I, I hardly even do specials because my servers don't sell that many. Mm-hmm. So it's just wasted money. Right. Um, that's a whole other thing to work on. And I do have sometimes I'm like, well, I got to test this product. So mm-hmm. I got, I got to create something, throw it out there, but thank God for social media and whatnot. But you know, if it's not in writing, it's really hard. Some of these, these servers get so busy um, dealing with, with crazy allergy requests and whatnot right. that it's, it's really hard for them. So I get it, but it's operating, be an operator. If you can be an operator and a good operator, you'll, you'll be successful. But if you just want to play with food, then that's something to do at home. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. I respect that. All right. Business lesson of the day from chef Ramiro Guerra. He says, make the mistake so we can all learn from it. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to make the mistake so we can all learn from it. And if you make the mistake and don't learn from it, then it's just a mistake. I love it, man. Yeah. Appreciate man. you breaking it down, man. Yeah. Thank you, um, really, for being here with us no, today, Thank you man. for having me. It's yeah. awesome. This was a blast. Yeah, yes, good so time. Absolutely. Next time we got to do it from the restaurant. Oh, I, oh I'm with it. I support that. <laughs> <laughs> I, would like to, I would like to co-host that. Um, <laughs> but um, if you'd like to reach out to Romero, you can find him on The Lab Collaborative at TLCOside on Instagram and Facebook. If nothing else, stop by daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. with happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Stop by for coffee at Jet Fuel from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And find the food truck for a little bit. Don't look for the food. It's it's retired. But make sure and go visit. Make (laughs) sure. Yes, absolutely. Get down there. I mean, it's beautiful Mm -hmm. over there. It's right there on the coast, man. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's great vibes. I mean, it's beach vibes, man. I mean, yeah, what are you going to really do? Is, man? It really is. It really is a great spot. Yeah, man. And, and the people are awesome. They're always happy. And we were just talking about frontline people, man. The frontline folks over there are amazing. They were really happy to work for you. And that's yeah. that's a great thing to see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because Ty and I talk about that all the time. So a big thanks to you, Ty, my co-host, um, uh, the uh, co-founder of Frontline Careers. And I want to share a quote. Uh, that Ty gave on a recent panel event. She said, if there is one topic we need to talk about, it's the myth of unskilled labor. If there was such a thing, we would be able to work any job, any position without training. I and all of you in the audience consider ourselves to be smart people, but if you put me inside of a bottling plant and told me to run the machines, I wouldn't have a clue where to begin. All labor is skilled. All labor has value and all types of labor should be celebrated. I think that really kind of ties up this whole conversation. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's really awesome. So I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you and Frontline Careers and all that. You guys can reach out to her on IG at Frontline Careers. And thank you again to our guest, Ramiro Guerra. Uh, please like and subscribe and comment on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. And reach out to us on at SameBizPod, S-A-M-E-B-I-Z. Z-P-O-D and at a different day radio. I want to thank you all, all of our listeners, all of our supporters. We love you. We appreciate you. Peace. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.